1 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 16. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. The Spirit clearly says that in the later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labour and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the saviour of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Congregation, the sermon I'm going to read to you this morning is a sermon written by Reverend J. Westera. When I was asked to do this reading service, the first thing one has to do is to choose a sermon from hundreds available. Today, these can be found on our denominational website. So I had a look through many and struggled to find one that spoke to me. So I then had a look through some old copies of the printed Words of Salvation that used to be posted out to each church monthly. After reading through some, one shone out to me and it was titled, Train Yourself in Godliness. This sermon was penned some in 1970, nearly 50 years ago. It was done on a typewriter. Older people here this morning would know what they are. They're the way that words were printed prior to computers. Anyway, look, I digress. I believe this sermon is as relevant today as it was those 50-odd years ago when Reverend Westera penned it. It is a sermon that challenges me and shows up many of my shortcomings 
and I would suggest, like me, some of you also. The text for this sermon is from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is the first letter of Paul to Timothy, his spiritual son. He tells him what to do as a minister of the church at Ephesus. If he wants to be a good minister, he must instruct his brethren according to what Paul has taught him. Paul starts this chapter by saying that some will depart from the faith by giving heed to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. They forbid marriage and command abstinence from food as if God had not made everything good and as if it could not be enjoyed if it is eaten thankfully. If Timothy wants to be strong, he must realise that his strength is in the truth of his faith and of sound teaching. We can take this warning to heart. Our strength is in the truth of our faith and of sound teaching. It is necessary that we know what we believe and that we stick to what we are taught. No wonder that Paul says in our text, train yourself in godliness. That's what we need and that's exactly what most people don't want. We have no time. You know we have no time. We're too busy. We don't even know how to train ourselves in godliness or why we should do it. What does it mean? Can you tell me what godliness is and what training in godliness is? Well, we know what training is, don't we? Our world is full of people who train themselves. As a matter of fact, our whole life is full of it. We start as babies when we learn to eat and drink. The training goes on when we learn to walk and to talk. It continues at school and at work and it finishes up in getting old. There is not one moment in our life that we are without it. And if we want to see this from a Christian point of view, And if it is true that Christ is the Lord and that I must serve him always and everywhere, then I need to be trained more than ever. To eat and to drink is quite a natural thing and most of us have no trouble with it. But somewhere else Paul tells us that when we eat and drink, we do it to the Lord. And that needs some training, I think. To live and to die are just things which come over us and we can't do much about them. But as Christians we have to live and to die to the Lord. And again I say that needs some training. Let us not say that this is easy 
Have you ever seen handicapped persons training themselves in walking or in talking or even in some form of sport? Hard for them, isn't it? Twice as hard for them as for persons with a healthy body and spirit. Well, we are like those handicapped persons as far as training in godliness is concerned. That makes it doubly hard. Not that God has created us like that. No, he has created us good and in his image. We had a healthy body and a healthy mind, but we spoiled them ourselves. And that is why we are such poor people for whom it is very hard to live and to die as we ought to. We need a lot of training before we know how. We must seek God and his glory. We must turn round and be converted before we can even start to do some exercises. People who train themselves in running, in boxing, in swimming and want to take part, for instance, in the Commonwealth Games or in the Olympic Games have to spend much time and energy on their training. We all know that and we admire those who do it. The whole country is happy and proud when some gold medals are won by members of our national team. Do you know who is always with them before and during the Games when they train and contest their events? You know, don't you? It is the coach. He instructs them. He tells them how they have to jump. He tells them how to swim and to box. They can't exercise without him and succeed. They have to listen to him and to follow his instructions. He is a very important person. Success depends for a very great part on him. Don't you think that is the same, that the same is the case with, with the training referred to in our text? We need a coach and a good one, the best of all. Well, God has taken care of that. He does not ask things of us and let us down. He has given us his own son, Jesus Christ. He is our coach and he is the only one who can really help us for we are handicapped children of God, so handicapped that we are not able and not even willing to train. That is the first thing Jesus does as our coach. He makes us, who were dead, alive. He changes our wills and our minds. He makes us willing and ready to seek God and to be interested in the things of God. He saves us from our sins and delivers us from the power of sin and the devil. It would be useless to train yourself if Jesus had not made you free. That's one of the first things a coach says to his pupils. Take off everything that hinders you. Take off your coat. Loosen your muscles. Jesus says the same to us and he is the only one who can help us to do so. He has come to save us from our sins 
and to give us a spiritual life. Have you been at his feet? Have you asked him to help you what you have to do as far as this training is concerned? You know what struck me when I studied this part of the Bible and of this chapter? I think it will strike you too when you hear it. You know how every sport has its secret, so to say, its tricks? What do you think is the secret of this training in godliness? You will find the answer in the last verse of the previous chapter. Unfortunately, it has been lost in the new translation. But if you still have the old version, then you will see that the same God word, godliness, is used there. And at the same time, we are told what its secret is. It's hidden truth. It is Jesus, Jesus himself. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of our godliness. If you want to train in godliness, you must know its mystery and its mystery is Jesus. This is very encouraging. We sometimes ask ourselves whether we make any progress. We regard ourselves as hopeless cases. We will never succeed. We feel feeble, tired. Will we ever reach the goal? Will we ever receive the prize? How disheartening we can be, can't we? But Jesus is always there to encourage you. He keeps an eye on his disciples when they are busy training themselves in godliness. He knows how hard it is. He knows our sins and our weaknesses. He encourages us by his word and by his Holy Spirit. He says, listen to me and hear my words. Are you troubled? Believe in God. Believe also in me. Are you hindered? Have your loins girded with truth? With truth. How much time do you spend on reading your Bible? And how do you do it? Do you pray? To whom do you pray? And for what? Do you study your Bible? Do you practice prayer? Or to use the same word as Paul, do you exercise it? Training is not a matter of some hours or some days and then you stop it. No, it is a matter of all the time and in everything. It affects your whole life. It is the start of it and the end. It is the light and power of the whole day. It gives you what you need for your work and for your family. A family that prays together, stays together. Paul, in this chapter, says that while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. How is it in your life? Are things in their right proportion? Do we spend too much time on the things of this world and too little time on the things of God? Jesus will teach us how to give the right amount of attention to both. 
but he will show us that godliness and training in it will help us to live a good life, a cheerful and useful life. Godliness and its training help you, find, help you to find the way not only to God but also to each other. It instructs you how to live. It teaches you how to distribute your time so that things don't get out of proportion. Your godliness or your life with God will influence and enlighten all the things you do and make them worthwhile and full of joy. That makes us richer and poorer and poorer, although we become richer and richer in our 20th century. It must grieve the Holy Spirit when we spend so much time on the things of this earth and pay little attention to the heavenly things. People want to live and the only thing they can think of is fun or money or a nice car or a big house. They have nothing else to live for. As Christians, we must be very careful that we don't adopt this same attitude. Maybe we do the same things. Of course we have to work, we have to build our houses and please let us take care of our possessions. They must be very precious in our eyes. We have received them, have bought them, have worked for them and we can't be careless. But in all these things we can't forget who we are and to whom we belong. In all these things we don't neglect our calling and our training in godliness. That's the nicest part of this training. It does not make you unfit for life. No, it gives you the wisdom and the light you need to live in this dark world. Let us face it, most people don't expect much of life. For most of them it is one big disappointment They live from one day to the other without any hope. For a Christian it is different. His training in godliness tells him that his life is full of promise, full of light, with a future. He does not need drugs to make it exciting or to forget misery. No, he does not flee from life but he seeks it and wants to live it with all that is in him. Of course, he too has his disappointments and his trials, but even then he knows that these things too are part of his training. They must be built they must build him up. They must help him to reach the goal. They mould him and form him. After all, there is also a life to come, and he has to be ready that as well. When people train themselves in all kinds of sport they do so because there is a lot of competition and if you don't want to lose you must do your utmost. With Christians it is not so much the competition that keeps them training but the life to come. The reward that is promised and that will be given to them by God himself at the end of the race. It is not that the Christian wants to be better than the other or that he wants to beat the other, 
that makes him strive than battle. No, he knows what Jesus has done and why he did it. It is out of love that he trains himself, out of gratitude. Jesus has saved him to serve God and to seek his kingdom. That's the prize, the promise which this training holds. Maybe you too ask, why should I train myself? What is the use of reading my Bible, praying, going to church and to catechism classes? Paul says that to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the saviour of all men, especially of those who believe. The reward is not a gold medal but God himself and his fellowship. The reward is not that we come home and are honoured by our country but that we may receive the crown of life. Most people have lost sight of this crown and therefore don't bother about their training in godliness. They have their hope set on the things of this world and have no idea of what Jesus says. Do not gather and heap up and store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. Training in godliness has terrific rewards but it may be a long time before we see them and go after them. Let us pray much that God may open our eyes and hearts that we may understand and become willing to train ourselves in godliness. For it is a strange thing, strange in our eyes how, anyhow, that this training is to be done on your knees, in your inner room, where your coach, the Lord of your training, will instruct you and teach you the first principles of this godliness. That is, your dependence on God's love. Your godliness is faith in him who has loved so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The struggle of this training is that you deny yourself and confess your God and Saviour. You must decrease and he must increase. This is a hard thing for us to learn and without Jesus as our coach there is no hope. But he has promised to be with us and to guide us. He is there to encourage us during our training and he has sent his Holy Spirit that he may dwell in us and that we may endure. To train yourself means that you have to keep it up if you stop training, you will become unfit for the games. Every sportsman can tell you that. If this is true about physical training, it goes all the more for your spiritual training. We must keep at it and not give up. It is as if I hear Jesus saying to all of us, endure, don't give up. He says it to all his children all over the world. 
in particular to those who are persecuted and oppressed, to our brothers and sisters behind the iron and bamboo curtains, to our sick and to our lonely ones, to those who mourn and miss so much love and sympathy. He says it to us who live in this world and are prosperous, who are rich and live an abundant life. Train yourself in godliness. Don't forget it. Don't become spiritually stiff and lazy, but train yourself. There may be dangers that threaten our church life and our family life, but the greatest of all dangers may be this one, that we don't know what godliness is and that we don't know how to train ourselves in it. There is no need for that. Jesus is still there to coach us. You will be amazed to see how interesting this kind of training is, what possibilities there are, what a future. We let our children go to high school and to all kinds of colleges for we want them to succeed in life. They have to be highly trained. Well, here is the highest training school of all and here is the best coach of all who is willing to make us ready for the greatest reward of all. Listen to him and train yourself in godliness. Take time to be holy. Speak oft with thy Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children. Help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. Amen. Shall we now draw near to God in the time of prayer? Let us pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise, worship and thanks for the time we have had with you and each other in this, your house, this morning. Thank you, Lord, for another day of rest and recreation where we can forget about the pressures of everyday life and focus on you and your kingdom. We thank you for the way you have watched over us again this week. We thank you for your word that we have read from this day. We thank you for under shepherds like Reverend Westera all those years ago who through you prepared our sermon this morning. May it go with us this coming week in both our thoughts and deeds. We thank you, Lord. Amen.